0: Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment.
1: Well, he's here in the studio, and quite frankly, he's probably never heard the word uh, comfortize, but we've just incorporated that word. Good morning, Dr. History. You know, that word went through my mind for a minute, I thought, I wonder if that's in the Scrabble Dictionary. No, as a matter of fact, well, it is, the way I play Scrabble. (laughs) Okay. I cheat. Okay, all right, I get it. Uh, How are you? Great, great. May I say something about you before we get started? Uh, Dr. History was so amenable to changing his schedule and coming a half hour early today because I had a nationally known guest coming on at 10.06, and I want to say thank you for helping out.
0: You bet. Glad to do it, Zeb. Before we start, I just want to say something to the listeners. Uh, Some of you have questioned how to download the show. Uh, from the internet or from iTunes or whatever, and I had a one of my listeners contacted me this past week on how to do that. And then, not being a computer guru, I talked to my good guy John, John Ellis, John Ellis, our best, our computer tech guy. Yep. So, if any of you are having problems, go to my doctor-history.com webpage and under comments, click on that and ask me for the instructions I got from John. Okay. And, and I will send those to you, and hopefully that will help for those that want to download stuff. Have
1: you noticed that if it weren't for John Ellis on many, many occasions, you and I would be in a kind of a black <laughs> hole?
0: Oh, John has been, he has saved me so He's so, so much. smart.
1: He, yeah. And you great. call him, and he doesn't really come across like I'm holier than you, or he doesn't sit up on a throne. No. Nope. He doesn't have handmaidens bring him fruit and cookies all day long. He's just a nice guy. He's a good old boy. Yeah, now hopefully I can get my monthly rate down. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yep. What are we going to talk about okay, this morning?
0: Zeb, when you think about guns in the Old West, uh-huh. you tell me a name that may come out
1: Pop. First and foremost, it'd be the Colt forty-five. Okay, nope. Keep going. Uh, then I'd say Winchester seventy-three. Nope. Or then I <laughs> gun maker. Oh, gun maker. Oh, well, that'd be Samuel Colt, or it could be uh, the Sharps Company. Keep going. Uh, Winchester you're, already hit. You're hit you're How hitting. about Henry?
0: How about Browning? Well, I hadn't got that far. <laughs> you hadn't got down the alphabet okay. far okay. enough. <laughs> So, Browning, uh, you know, an amazing guy. I'm going to show you.
1: Honestly, I didn't know they were a part of the Old West.
0: They really are. And, and
1: this, You will, know, I thought Henry and Winchester and Colt were the three that were way back well, then. Uh,
0: and as I go through the story, I think you'll see how that plays together. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture right here. This is their office in... Ogden, Utah, or their store in 1881. So that's John Mose Browning and his brother Matthew standing in the doorway right there.
1: And they're still there. Yes,
0: Yes. they are. So, you know, uh, it's not surprising that John Mose Browning found the designing of weapon styles to be a a pretty interesting game. He grew up in the business. His dad, Jonathan Browning, set up a small workshop in Ogden, Utah, before the start of the Civil War. John was born in 1855, began car carving gun designs before he was even 14 years old so the, by the time he was 20 he was supplying the family with food shot with a rifle that he had manufactured by hand on a lathe in his father's workshop now, 14 what year years was old. What year was that? Uh, well, he was born in 18, what did I say, 1855, so wow. about uh, 1870, and he's already making guns That is amazing. that work. So, you know, for their, uh, when Jonathan died, the father, the responsibility of supporting the family and operating the gun shop fell upon John and his brother Matthew. Well, believing that a man does best that for which he is best suited, the brothers decided that John would devote, devote himself to gun designing while Matt would take care of the Business end, so it was a good uh, good partnership there uh, for their first venture, uh, gun shop and sporting goods store. The brothers decided they should have a stock of rifles, and with the help of two half brothers, they made twenty five rifles by hand before officially opening for business, and all 25 were sold within one week. No kidding. I don't know how long it takes to make one rifle, but they were gone within a week. Now, Winchester, okay, here's the names you're going to recognize. Okay, Winchester bought the patent to the Model 85 in the spring of 1883. Now, the gun... Uh, The gun was bought, uh, brought to Winchester's attention by one of their salesmen who had run across a model somewhere in Texas. Well, later, the president paid a visit to the little Ogden store and purchased some weapons in stock, which probably led to the buying of the patent some months later. So Winchester bought the patent for that particular rifle. Mm -hmm. Now, by this time, John had developed the idea of his famous lever action. Uh, in, all he, uh, in all, he patented four models of this type, which uh, uh, in a few years monopolized the market uh, for repeating rifles. And what, one of them. Was it
1: like the Henry and the Winchester? Yeah. With the lever action? Yeah,
0: one of, the, one of them, the Model 94 Winchester, actually became the most popular sporting rifle ever produced.
1: So it was actually started by
0: Browning? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, in the meantime, John Mose Browning had perfected a lever action shotgun. Now I've never seen a lever-action shotgun. Have you? I mean, I can't no, ever. I,
1: I can't say that I have.
0: Uh, anyway, at the invitation of Winchester Company, he worked out a design also for a repeating twenty-two rifle. Now he mailed the plans and was surprised to get a letter back telling him to forget it because this gun couldn't possibly work. Well. So he made up a model by hand. John sent it back to the Winchester with this remark, quote, This is the gun showed in my plans. You said it wouldn't work, but it seems to shoot pretty fair for me. Well, uh, so it was placed into production. The gun, a pump, uh, for many years outsold all other makers of .22s combined. So, again, it's Winchester, but it's made by Browning.
1: I want to make sure I understand here that originally many of the models of the lever-action rifles were made... Processed and developed by Browning, but then sold for name rights right. to Winchester. Is that yeah, correct? Exactly. And okay. some others, too, okay.
0: that, w- that we'll talk about. <clears throat> now, John followed with three types of pump action shotguns, which were mass manufactured by Winchester and Remington and Stevens. Have you heard of Stevens? uh, I hadn't heard of them. Uh, And he designed a Bolt Action 22, which almost completely eliminated uh, from the market a foreign gun with which it was intended to compete. So he just really took over the market with what he was doing. Mm. Uh, But again, Remington and Winchester were the names. Now, one day in the fall of 1889, while hunting near the Great Salt Lake, John Mose Browning made the discovery, which led to the invention of the first gas-operated automatic machine gun and later of the semi-automatic pistol, rifle, and shotgun.
1: Now he got this idea while hunting by okay, Salt Lake. Yeah, listen to this.
0: Every time he fired his shotgun, he noticed that the bulrushes, the cattails, were sharply moving from side to side by the expended <clears throat> excuse me by the expended gas as it left the muzzle in the wake of the bullet. So he saw some movement. So he knew there was something going on. All right. so his don't m- lose me now. Okay, okay. So, well, you know how yeah, if you yeah, shoot, yeah. you see, like if you're standing by yeah. some cattails, they're going to yeah. move yeah. a little
1: bit, especially cats.
0: <laughs> That's right; they really move fast. <laughs> but anyway, you know, his mind immediately saw the possibilities of harnessing this wasted energy to operate the gun mechanism. Well, John returned at once to his shop and started a chain of experiments, which resulted in one of the first automatic machine guns. So in really? Eight, yeah. In 1887, Brown startled the world with the first automatic pistol.
1: Okay, what, you, what year was that? That I, I was 1897. Okay, now, in one of the John Wayne movies, um, oh, golly, I can't remember which one it was, where they were after John Wayne's grandson. They talked about the gas pistol. Okay, that's, this is it.
0: I'll be darned. But uh, anyway, its manufacturer su- uh, soon broke all records in production of small arms. His automatic shotgun followed, and its perfection required more of his time and patience than any other gun. But as his brother Matt said, John never gave up on anything he tackled. You could be sure that sooner or later, he would have the gun he was after. Now, he had difficulty getting it produced in America. Nobody really wanted this particular one, so on the spur of the moment, he strolled down to the docks, for uh, found a boat sailing for Europe and bought a ticket, and the great, and I'm going to say this uh, the way it looks like, Fabrique Nationale plant at Belgium Mm -hmm. readily accepted the design, and thus the first successful automatic scattergun was initially produced outside the United States.
1: With the gas pistol, was that in the form of like a cylinder, a gas cylinder that would go into the barrel? I, I don't know that. I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it was just somehow
0: he, he was able to harness the energy of the shell, the firing of the shell to reload another shell back into the chamber.
1: Because remember when we were kids, Crossman air guns, the pellet guns, uh-huh. they had the pistols that oh, you right. dropped a cylinder in there, yeah, a gas cylinder. I don't cylinder. think those
0: were available back then. I really don't. But anyway, the high-powered automatic sporting rifle followed, and the well-balanced 22 automatic, uh, the latter one made by Remington, was one of John's favorite guns, and he would take his 22 to the foothills and shoot at gophers and cans and everything. So when World War I broke out, John had two guns ready, the recoil-operated belt-fed heavy machine gun and a gas-operated automatic rifle fed with a 20-round clip. And they were the most effective guns of their type known. One fired 40,000 rounds without a problem. 40,000 rounds. That's unheard of.
1: Who counted? <coughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so anyway, at the request of the U.S. Ordnance Department, John made models of three different 37-millimeter. Now, now this the, is before World War One. This is right at when it broke out. Okay, so, uh, John made models a uh, 37 millimeter, and I don't understand millimeters very well, but it's a one and a half inch bore cannon, and it would hurl a one pound shell at the rate of 150 per minute. That's a lot.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's a big shell. And this was Uh, developed on in Ogden also. Yes, yep. Now, his last creation
0: was the Browning uh, Superposed Over-Under Shotgun, which, like the automatic, is... Is that like
1: the 410?
0: I think so. I think so. Now, actually, this... Like I said, they were developed in Ogden, but this one was also manufactured in Belgium and distributed in the U.S. by the Browning Arms Company. Uh So they started putting their name on some of these guns. I see. I see. Now his machine guns helped with the Battle of Britain by providing the eight gun firepower with which the Spitfire pilots were shooting at the enemies. So his guns actually ended up on airplanes.
1: On the, the on those little the, small Yeah, uh, the
0: Spitfire that yeah, that they used in World War 1.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, John, uh, I thought the Spitfire was in World War 2.
0: Well, it was, but they 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 had a Spitfire of some kind, you know, oh, in in World War 1. I. I and I'm not sure what it Actually, it looked like it. I think it might even be a biplane. Oh. But, but I'm
1: not sure. Sm- uh, what was that? Uh, the Red Baron? Yeah, the and... Red Baron. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway,
0: these were used on land, sea, and air in World Wars I and II and in Korea. These, these guns. No kidding. Yeah, so they went a long way. Well, how
1: big did the, was the company at that time? I mean...
0: I, I think they were still not that big, but they had... Un- well, I, I don't know how big they finally got.
1: They were still in Ogden, though. Yes. As the headquarters. Right, yeah. Wow.
0: Now, by this time, John was a million mare- millionaire. I mean, many times yeah. over, very wealthy. Uh, but he remained, they said, the same quiet, unassuming, kind man throughout his life. He didn't like high honors awards decorations uh he never lacked for a kind word to the workers in the factory the even the guy sweeping the floor just a just a good guy
1: Well how many people back in those days did they
0: employ You know I don't know that and you know the, the they still have the museum down in Ogden, and I have never stopped to look at the Browning Arms I would museum. love to. I would love to. And I've driven past that hundreds of times.
1: But do you, Have you driven past where the actual factory was? I
0: have not. I know it's down there, you know, in Ogden, I'm, and my next trip, I'm going to definitely look this up, because... It's right here, not very far from us. So.
1: And I don't, it's kind of like in our backyard and nobody pays attention. Exactly. Yeah. So
0: I'm hoping people will listen to this and maybe Can stop. I
1: do the weather forecast sure. real quick? You're on a different half hour, so I've got to honor bet. this. Interesting stuff. And by the way, um, they even got into the knife building.
0: They, they may have. Yeah,
1: like they that. did. I had one because it was taken away from me at the L.A. airport because I had it in my pocket and well, one you of do, those you do doggone look, TSA people took my browning well, knife.
0: You do look like a terrorist.
1: Oh, yeah. It's that
0: cloth thing yeah. on your head. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: So, as I mentioned, John was a millionaire, very kind, good to his workers, just an unassuming, laid-back type of guy. But they say his greatest reward was the satisfaction of achievement. He was much more at home dressed in comfortable hunting clothes than being put up on a stage with industrialists and, you know, he wasn't into the high-profile stuff, I guess you could say. But John Most Browning actually died of a heart attack in 1926 oh after having gone to Belgium to present uh, to be present when they first uh, had this over-under shotgun which uh-huh. was turned out. So right. he, the Belgian people did quite a bit uh, in manufacturing guns. They
1: are fairly well known too uh, as far as quality uh, yeah. weapons, aren't they? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, But the original handmade prototypes of more than 25 Browning originals are being displayed publicly at this John M. Browning, and they call it the National Guard Armory in august got in Utah and it's a museum down there. Again, I, I feel bad. I have never stopped to look at that.
1: Be, I wonder if anybody in the audience has.
0: That's a good question. I, I'm sure somebody yeah. has. But anyway, one or two of the weapons in the collection may seem kind of crude to observers, but most were handmade with such skill that except for their lack of bluing, you know, the, the coloring on the, on the metal, they are difficult to distinguish from the millions of their later ones, uh, which have been turned out on assembly lines in America. And And abroad. So some were manufactured here
1: as well. You're you're quite a bit older than I am, but uh, (laughs) not really. I'm kidding. But does it amaze you as to the technology and the technocracy of those of over 150 years ago in the manufacturing of these kinds of things?
0: You know, Zeb, I do woodworking, and you can do a lot of stuff with wood, but metal I, I have no idea how they carved and, how did they and do that? put them on a lathe. They didn't and, have the
1: tools and, or and anything. rifling in yeah. the in the
0: bull, in the barrels.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So, it, to me, this is an amazing guy with, you know, an
1: amazing uh, technology. I bet you this person's been to that museum. Call her quickly. We've, we're short on time. Go ahead.
0: Yes, I have been to the museum. It is awesome. Not only does he have a, it doesn't have a collection of his guns. You should take a look at the cars that he used to own. Oh, really? Uh, And it's also a train museum as well.
1: Oh, well, caller, quickly tell us, because we're short on time, where is this museum? In Ogden, Utah. I know, but whereabouts? Uh, I don't remember the exact address, but uh, I'm pretty sure if you typed it in on the Internet, uh, John Browning Museum... You'd find the exact address, and uh, you'd be able to go right to it. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much for your call. There you go, Doctor History. Okay. Okay. Somebody They're that's here. been there. Great. Thank you.
0: They have the most powerful locomotive ever created at that museum, as well. Really? Sounds like there's a lot wow. more there than what we've. Yeah, found. a lot more. Yeah. Okay. So, so check uh, it out. Thank you. Uh, well. You know, the military guns include the original gas operated automatic machine gun, and despite its apparent crudeness compared to Browning's later machine guns, it worked with smoothness, uh, which character- characterized all of his mechanisms. In uh, its successors, the gas-operated what they called the Peacemaker machine gun used in the Boxer Rebellion and the Spanish-American War, and the much-improved recoil-operated machine guns developed by Browning during World War I are also displayed there. And various models of these later weapons were used in airplanes, tanks, ships, ground forces in World War Two, oh Korea, and enjoying similar wide military usage was the... Browning Automatic Rifle, known to GIs as the BAR.
1: The B-A-R. B-A-R. Yes.
0: And its original model is also included in this display. So as I said, today the Browning Arms Company uh, carries on with a guy named Val Browning, son of the inventor and a gun inventor on his own right, and he's the president. So the Brownings have continued... Uh, to, to run this down there.
1: Isn't it a shame with today's uh, complex society against guns and ammo and everything? This is an amazing deal. I would like to go down there with you and yeah. take a tour of that. Uh,
0: you know, I've got a little bit more about uh, yeah. Do we have a few more minutes? we had
1: about four more minutes. Okay.
0: Well, you know, many consider the, the most famous firearm in the world to be the AK-47 yeah. or the M-16, and... Kind of varieties of that. But if you ask firearms experts today which firearms designer changed the world the most, John Moses Browning would be the first person mentioned.
1: It's amazing. And they started right there in Ogden. Right. And i got to confess to you, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: I I knew it was down there, but I just didn't realize how big it was.
1: Did they ever... You mentioned earlier they had the the gas uh, pistol. Right. Okay. But they never did really get into uh, like the uh, cylinder pistols did they
0: you know i i wish i knew more about that but i i don't
1: uh-huh. you, know, this, you mean like the 6 like the colt 45 right. and that yeah, type of thing I, I
0: don't think so i actually. see but the model 911 pistol is still considered to be the gold standard of firearms and is often described as the best pistol ever designed it was the official sidearm of the us military until get this eb until 1987
1: no 87? 87. Really?
0: And even today, during competition, it is nearly perfect in operation, hardly ever fails. Uh, Browning's lever action, gas operated automatic, and recoil operated semi automatic guns designs are still manufactured today, and many other modern guns have designs that are copied from Browning's design. He also designed the 30 caliber, get this, and I hadn't heard of this one, a water cooled and a 50 caliber air cooled machine gun. Wow. Uh, and the air cool machine gun is still kind of a military workhorse. Um, yeah.
1: I know that back in the 60s and uh, 70s with all the outdoor magazines like Outdoor Life and Field and Stream, etc., you couldn't pick up a magazine without hitting a great big full-page ad right off the bat from Browning. Yeah.
0: Now, at the start of the last century, his designs were in, the, in most of the, as you said, in the most of the U.S. sporting arms, like magazines and yeah. stuff. But John Browning had 128 patents for guns. Oh, my. His designs were considered to be mechanical engineering marvels and were manufactured by almost all of the gun manufacturers worldwide. Uh, how big are they today?
1: Or have they been diminished in size?
0: You know, I don't know how much they are still producing guns. Wow. Uh, But that's something that, you know. That's
1: the other side of this thing, the mass production. How many people and how big a warehouse and all the equipment? Wow. I mean, you're talking a lot of people, aren't you?
0: Right. And, you know, the other companies like Winchester and Remington, they produced theirs as well, even though they were browning.
1: But I didn't know, you really gave me some good information there, that actually the the patent of certain weapons on the rifles, like the lever action, Uh they were developed by Browning, but then sold under the name of Winchester. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So this... Kind of goes back to really the father, I would say, of
1: the. You got to find band. out more information about that.
0: Yeah, I need to find out more about the, and we're going back to Utah here in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to see if we can stop by and please do look that. At the, uh, yeah. Stop into
1: that museum. Yeah, are you going to be here next week? We got to talk about that. Yes, I will be here next. You'll be week. here next week, and you're going to do a follow up on Browning. I don't know. Well, I wish you would.
0: <laughs> I never know what I'm going to say until about next. Sunday
1: or I just really, you know, this brings to f- the mind, we don't know as much as we should about a lot of the local stuff in yeah, history, do we? Yeah. I mean, Browning Arms. And, and
0: they're only, you know, 200 miles from us right here. At
1: the most. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I'm definitely going to stop in there one of these days. And I didn't realize he had what this caller said about uh, a train and cars and stuff like that that are in there, too. Yeah.
1: So, And by the way, may we say that if anybody out there has a bona fide historical story that oh, we yeah. can prove uh, and you'd like to get it on the air, just contact me at the studio, 312 uh, six Or call Dr. History.
0: Well, and just go to my webpage, yeah. and you can leave a comment. In fact, I did have one from a guy named James. He gave me about four or five different subjects that I'm going to look into. Really? So I appreciate callers, uh, you know, listeners, to just go to my webpage and send me an email, because then I can... <laughs>
1: Respond. You know what we ought to do is uh, go buy a car or a little minivan and paint it up that says Dr. History and Friends like they do with that Texas country reporter on RFD and we'll travel all over the state getting these stories. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, it would. We actually be. go to the side of the story. Yeah, amen.